glasses because I'm going to have to read in my Bible and it's not very easy to see. But if you want to open to Job chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, Job 1, Luke 4, and James 1. So Job chapter 1, Luke chapter 4, and James chapter 1. And we're going to just go for this today. Um, this last week, the homework and everything for the discipleship um, was on the sovereignty and the authority of God. And I, I spent all week just being uh, the Lord downloading things about this that I hadn't thought of before and stirring up a new fear um, for the Lord in my life. And uh, we'll, you'll hear more about that hopefully in the future. The, Lord, the Lord's given me some thoughts on that that I want to teach about. Um, but today... Something just, something just caught my attention, and I want to talk about temptation today. Temptation. And I think there's some, um, some myths about temptation and some, some things that we need to go back and revisit what, what, really is temp, what temptation really is. And so I'm going to talk about the three types of temptation that, I, that I'm aware of, three, three specific categories of temptations today. Um, but before we do that, I want to pray, and uh, we're just going to jump into it. So Father, we love you and we, we're, we're glad that we can gather together and experience your presence and we've done that today and so we say thank you. But we ask you, Lord, that you would be here right now, that you would send your word and that it would find good places in our heart and that it would produce a fruit in our lives, God. I pray you bring, uh, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. Everyone said amen to that. Amen. All right. I'm, I normally don't teach with notes. I normally just kind of study, have it inside of me, get up here and have a few guideposts. But today I may go more through my notes. I don't want to miss anything. I want to hit this properly um, b- because I think it's valuable. Young people, old people, kids, it doesn't matter. Um, you will face temptation in life. It is a part of life. Um, temptation um, is... We'll get into it. I don't even want to start yet. I want to wait. All right. In Job chapter 1, we find um, something really interesting. So I want to read this, all right? Um, Ouch. All right. Let's start with verse 6. Job chapter 1, verse 6. And listen to to this, all right? Every word matters. The, 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 the order of the day, the cycle of the day mattered, all right? So listen to how this works. On one day, the angels came and presented themselves to the Lord. The angels present themselves to the Lord. They get assignments. They get, they get asked questions. They present themselves to the Lord, all right? Listen to this. And Satan also came with them. And I'm sure it was all like, all of heaven was like, uh, you don't belong here anymore. We thought we took your passcode away from you. You don't have access here anymore. What happened to you? So he comes up there and he's presenting himself to the Lord with the angels. And the Lord says to Satan, where have you come from? Where did you come from? Where did you go? So Satan answered to the Lord and said, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? First thing I want to say here is Satan was checking in with his PO, (laughs) his parole officer. And God was like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Who have you talked to? Do you see the importance of those questions that God asked Satan? He could not go where he wasn't allowed to go. He could not do what he was not allowed to do. I'm telling you, if we dive into this today, it, it is going to break sin. It's going to break temptation, and it's going to change our perspective. It's, go, it's also going to lead us into inheritance today. Satan has to present himself to God and give an account for where he is, where he goes, and what he does. Satan did not even come to God and ask, Can I tempt Job? God asked Satan, have you considered tempting my servant Job? There's no one like him on the face of the earth. He's pure and he's blameless. Right? 
Isn't that what he says? Have you considered my servant Job in verse 8? There was no one like him on the earth. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then here's what Satan says back to God. Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? (laughs) Listen to this. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread out throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and surely he will curse you to your face. So the Lord says to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands. Whoa. Everything he has is in your hands, but you cannot lay a hand on him. So what is going on here? God is allowing Satan permission to test and to tempt His servant, Job, that he knows is pure and blameless. But even in that temptation, God says, you have restrictions. You can do this, but you cannot touch him. So you know how the story goes. What happens? He kills all of his animals and destroys his farms and takes his children and all this stuff starts happening to him. Right? So the Lord said, everything is there. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, verse 13. And it says, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine in the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked them and carried them off. They were stolen from them. So this hedge of protection that was specifically designed and put around Job because he feared the Lord and honored God had been removed, and now everything that he had was open to attack of the enemy. So enemies and marauders and and pirates basically came and stole his stuff. They put his servants to the sword. He killed their servants. And they left one to come tell the story. It's like in the movies. I'm going to leave you alive so you can go and tell your friends of what I've done to you today. So the one servant left alive after all the destruction comes back and tells Job what happens. While he was speaking, another servant came, and the fire of God came down and destroyed it. And I don't want to read all of this for time, but you know the story. You know how it goes. And so he comes back, and in all of this, Job does not deny God. In all of this, Job does not one time look at God and say, How dare you? Who do you think you are? Why are you so mean to me? And so Satan gets frustrated. And one day, when the angels are presenting themselves to the Lord, Satan goes back before God and says, Hey, God. I tested your servant Job, and he hasn't broken. But, I mean, why would he? All his loved ones are still alive, and he still has his own life. And there's nothing happening to him. You said I couldn't touch him. And God says, okay, well, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. So he strikes him with boils and leprosy, and and he takes pottery. The Bible says he takes pottery and clay shards just to scratch his skin because it hurts so bad. And everything around him was dying. And all of his family was taken from him. And all of his possessions were gone. And in all of this, he would not deny God. He would not say God wasn't good. Why is this important? Because Satan had to ask for permission. And even when he got permission, he had boundaries to what he could do. Satan does not have authority. Would you say that with me? Satan has no authority. The only power that he has is when he's given permission or when we surrender it to him. When we believe the lie that Satan has the authority to attack whomever he decides, after all, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It didn't say that he was given the ability to devour. It didn't say that he was given all access permission to devour. It says that he prowls around looking for someone to devour. So when we believe the lie that Satan has the authority to just do whatever he wants to do, then we empower the lie. We hand over authority to him. We empower him. And when we give up that power by simply believing that he can do anything he wants to to us, we seize that authority to him and he takes the opportunity and pounces on it. But he cannot just decide one day, I'm going to tempt 
so-and-so. He has to have permission. Is everyone still with me? And we're going somewhere. This is really important, okay? The first type of temptation is found in Luke chapter 4. So let's go to Luke chapter 4. All right? How many remember this story about Jesus being tempted? So here's the first kind of temptation. We are led away by the Spirit of God to be tempted by the devil. First type of temptation we face in life is we are literally led by the Spirit into a temptation. Why would God do that? Let's look at this. I want to say that this is the rarest or the most uncommon form of temptation. Most of the temptations that we fight in life, we'll get into them in a moment, are not under this category of God sending His Spirit and leading us into a place of temptation. They serve a great purpose to our life. They're very rare. So for us to say, oh, the Holy Spirit sent me into a place of temptation, and we use that as our common thing, oh, He just keeps sending me to... No, God does not do this to us. It happens rarely on occasion, but it has a specific reason for the temptation to come. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness right after He's baptized, and the Spirit came upon Him like a dove, and the Father's voice from heaven says, This is my Son. I am so pleased with Him. So let's go to Luke chapter 4 and read it. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. So the devil said to him, Now what had just happened to Jesus? He was baptized, and what did God his Father say from heaven? Say it. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Satan immediately comes to him in this temptation in the wilderness. And the first words out of his mouth are, If you are the Son of God. Immediately testing the declaration and the proclamation over the life of Jesus. Instantly. He says, If you are the Son of God, prove it. Do something. Perform a task. I know you're capable of doing this, so why don't you just take those stones in your capable hands and turn them into bread? He was taunting Jesus with his identity. You guys still with me? And Jesus answers back to him. I just want to read through it, then we're going to go through some some thoughts. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor because it has been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want to. That's a lie. But if you, so if you worship me, it will be given. I will make it yours. And Jesus said to him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and only serve him. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And again, he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And this is really what he's saying to him. I know you're the son of God. You know, you're the son of God. So let's just see how much God really cares about you. Because I know in the word, Satan quotes the word, it says that he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So if you are the son of God and God really does love you and he really is watching out and protecting you and caring for you and nurturing you, then just throw yourself down and just see if he proves his love to you. And Jesus said, It is written. He always, it is written. The Bible says, my God said, the Bible says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. 
So when the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him waiting for a more appropriate time. The Bible says then that God sent ministering angels to Jesus and they attended to him and they comforted him. What is so important about all this? Jesus was led into the wilderness for the specific purpose of being tempted. The temptations addressed three areas that I want to point out. Number one, he was tempted concerning his identity. If you are the son of God, prove it. If you are a child of God, prove it. You guys all right? In other words, Satan was saying, I know you're able to do this, so just prove it. Show who you really are. The second area that that Jesus was tempted by Satan was concerning his inheritance. As he says, if you throw yourself, if, if you will bow down and worship me, excuse me, then I will go ahead and give you your inheritance now. You don't have to wait. You don't, have to, you don't have to go through any trials, any suffering. You don't have to go to the cross, whatever's coming up. You can have it now. You don't have to wait. It's like a payday loan. You can have it now and pay later, right? And Satan comes to him. And the third thing, so it's identity, his inheritance, and the third area was his value. If God really loves you, just throw yourself down and see him prove his love. How many have ever put someone to a test to see if they really love you or care? It's it's not always a great idea, but that's what he was saying. Put God to a test. See if he really cares about you. See if he really loves you. And in every time he was tempted, the residing word that was inside of Jesus defeated the enemy. Every time. So the first type of temptation is it is a specific strategic experience for you and for me where God allows us and sends us into the wilderness to be tested. Why? Because the Bible goes on to say there in Luke that when Jesus left the wilderness, he left in the power of the Holy Spirit. The temptation, the 40 days, the fasting, the temptations from Satan, the the hunger, all the things that Jesus went through during that 40 days established something inside of him that could not be taken away from him. His identity, his inheritance, and his value was solidified in that place. This is important. Remember, his identity, his inheritance, and his value. Those three things were solidified. All right? So what's the first type of temptation? We're led by the Spirit to be tempted. It reveals who we are. How many of you have ever heard the, the quote that says, Adversity does not build character, it reveals character. Ever heard that? Temptation is not there to build character. It's to reveal character. When, we're go, when we go through this type of temptation that's, that's strategically um, created and, and, and orchestrated by God, it's for a specific purpose, to reveal who we really are already. Hello? You guys okay? <clears throat> the second type of temptation is when we are led away by our own desires. We're led by our own desires into temptation. Let's go through this. Oh, this just hit me so hard this week. Let's go to James chapter 1. James 1 verse 12. It said, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial or testings, because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life. That God has promised to those who love Him. When tempted, here's a rule for all of us. When tempted, no one should ever say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone with evil. But each one of us is tempted when by our own evil desires, we are dragged away and enticed. Then after desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Everyone's still good. Yeah? Second type of temptation is when I'm led by my own desires. You notice something unique about both of these temptations? Neither one of them are, are initiated by Satan, our enemy. 
The first one is God leading us by His Spirit into an opportunity to reveal what's inside of us. And He will allow the enemy to test us and tempt us in that time, but only so much. He gives them the parameters. I want you to know if you've ever found yourself, and I think we've all been through different, again, it's not common. It's not the most common type of temptation. But I believe all of us have found ourselves in places like that. You could look at Joseph. When he's in the Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife comes to him every day saying, you're so beautiful. I want to marry you. I want to love you, blah, blah, blah. And Joseph ran from her constantly. That was something that was allowed to happen to reveal the character of Joseph. God didn't tempt Joseph. Satan didn't decide, oh, I want to tempt Joseph with through this lady. It was a it was a moment. It was a season of his life where he was being tested to reveal the iron that was in his soul. When he was thrown into the pit, God didn't throw him into the pit. Satan didn't just dream up, oh, I'm going to throw Joseph in a pit one day. Joseph was allowed to be thrown into the pit to reveal the purpose and plan of God. To to release freedom to a nation. So in both types of temptations, whether we're being led by the Spirit into a time of testing and a seasoning time, or whether we're led away by our own desires, the devil can only seize the opportunity that he's given permission to. He cannot lead you. The de- Everyone say this with me. The devil? Well, let, me, let me make sure you believe it first before you say it. Can the devil lead you into temptation? Even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. The devil cannot, he has no initiative. He cannot initiate temptation he can seize opportunity he can have permission to have opportunity but he cannot force you into temptation this is really important because here's what happens if i believe the devil caused this temptation or brought this temptation then i have given the authority of the temptation to the enemy rather than the authority of the temptation to god and to me having the ability to rise above this If I believe I am a victim of the schemes of the devil and I don't know the purpose of this where I don't sit and say, okay, is this a, is this a test where I'm being led by the spirit into this season or am I being led by my own desires into this temptation? Because that's the root of the temptation. The enemy seizes the opportunity, but the root is either we're led or we're led by our own desires into it. Is this making sense? So we cannot empower the devil and give him the authority that God has, that he gave to his son Jesus, and that Jesus gave to the sons of God, the children of God. That's us. It's, we, cannot, we cannot hand over to him permission or the belief that says he can cause temptation. This is really important. See, desire is like a garden. So the first is we're led by the Spirit. The second, we're led by our own desires. Would you say this with me? Desire is a garden. It's a garden. The, the Bible says that a desire, that, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire realized is a tree of life. Yet when we hear this scripture that says they're led away by their own desires, it sounds like desires are always evil. No. Desire is neither evil nor good. Desire is neutral. And our ability to steward that desire can cause it to be evil or good. Listen to me. God, help me. Desire is not birthed evil or good inside of us. Desire is stewarded inside of us to be good or evil. Desire is a garden. We plant seeds of good desire. Good uh, plants and fruit will come from that. If we plant seeds of bad desire and evil desire, we're going to have it. There's, it's just the way it is. It's the sowing and reaping law. So what I attend to grows in my garden. So if I have desire, if I am ambitious and I want something, I really want to achieve something in life, If I surrender that ambition to God, desire realized becomes a tree of life to me. Think about it this way. If you desire 
to be um, an authority in politics or authority in whatever your field is. You have this ambition to do something great and to make a difference in the world. That is desire, and it can, it can go one way or the other determined, and it's determined by what we steward and what, what we sow into that. If I sow the right things into my desire to make a difference, if I sow the right things in my desire to, to matter, to achieve things on the world, then it becomes a tree of life to me. And when I achieve those things, it does not bring death and reproach to my life. I've heard so many wealthy people or successful people say that the success became a, a detriment to their life. Why? Because the desire inside of them was not pure and it wasn't managed properly. The desire has the same authority one way or the other. We choose whether we mold it and shape it into good desires that becomes a tree of life or whether we abandon it and we allow it to turn into evil desires or selfish desires that will always lead to death. Am I making sense? So desire is not bad. It's not bad. Desire can be a great thing. It can be a bad thing. We see it everywhere. (laughs) If I'm communicating this exactly how I want to, but God wants, we went through a season where we, we felt like we have to just take away passion, take away ambition, take away desire from people because it always turned to negative. If people were ambitious, then they, they always wanted to, to make a name for themselves. If people wanted to, you know, have, have passions, they always turned into evil passions. And we didn't realize that, no, passion can be good. It can be, it can be pure. It can be holy. It can be something fruitful. Uh, ambition can be a good thing. Instead of throwing it aside, let's manage it, all right? Now, when we go through that first temptation where we're led by the Spirit, the three things that were addressed in that was his identity, his inheritance, and his value. Those three temptations, those three areas that Satan tempted Jesus, we will find in the thread of every type of temptation in our life. Whenever our own desires, when we're led away by our own desires, they will also attack our identity, our inheritance, and our value. Here's how I know. When Jesus was going around, people would constantly come up to him and say, hey, perform for us. Do a miracle. Show us a sign. And instead of being led, away, led astray by his own desires, he, he stood up to temptation again. He had people saying of him all the time, isn't this just Jesus, the carpenter's son, Joseph's boy? His identity was constantly being attacked. Can anything good come from Nazareth? So Jesus not only defeated Satan in the wilderness through temptation, he fought so that his own desires would not lead him astray into the very same type of temptation, just self-imposed. Jesus, his inheritance, you deserve this. Take it. Set up your kingdom now. The kingdom's yours. Go ahead and just take it. How many times did the disciples ask Jesus, is this now when you're going to restore your kingdom? Is this now when you're going to establish your throne? Can you imagine the, the willpower that Jesus had to have to say, no, not now. Someday, it's all mine. I know it. He knew it. But he said, no. It was an att- uh, your inheritance. Just get it now. Purpose. You can live any way you choose. God's got you. You don't have to ask for his wisdom or his counsel. He'll protect you. Here, see how these themes work in our lives? Just make decisions. Take that job. Don't ask God for his opinion. Buy that house. Buy that car. Date that person. Marry that person. Jump into this relationship. Don't even ask God. He'll cover you. You can throw yourself down from this temple, and he will send his angels to protect you. Grace will be there for you. That's a temptation where our own desires can lead us astray from the will of God. Prove you're God's son. Just start prophesying when God didn't ask you to prophesy. 
Start trying to create a ministry or fill in a blank, whatever it is, when, when he didn't ask you to. You deserve this inheritance. He gets on the shoulder of Christians and says, Jesus paid for it. You deserve it. Take it now. Our own desires. I want what Jesus paid for. I want everything he paid for at the cross. But this is something that hit me this week like I've never felt it before. I cannot take anything from the hand of God. He releases it to me. But the enemy tries to take our own desires and use them against us. Oh, come on, you deserve this promotion. You deserve this. You deserve to, to, to marry again. You deserve to have this relationship. You deserve this house. You deserve this TV. You worked really hard for it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Take it now. When it's not in the season that we're supposed to take it. It's not in the season we're supposed to apprehend it. And all it is is our own desires leading us away from the fulfillment of God's will in our life. And it's a temptation. Everyone's still good? All right, here's the last type one. We'll, we'll close out. The third type of temptation. So the first one, we're led by the Spirit into temptation. The second, we're led by our own desires into temptation. And the third is we are led away by generational and cultural thoughts that attract temptation. We're led away by decaying generational or cultural thoughts, and we're tempted. Generational curses. Great-grandfather cheated on grandmother. Grandfather cheated on grandmother. Dad cheated. I've got to fight from cheating. You know what I'm saying? Those kinds of things. They're generational temptations that our family faces. There's momentum created by past decisions in our bloodline that we face again. Some of us don't even know why. Some, some people face temptations and are like, I don't even know why this is a temptation. I've never even thought of this before. And it's in the family and we didn't even know it. And you start digging and you find out, whoa, aunt, uncle, everybody in the family's faced this thing. Why? It is a generational Decaying thought that is found in the mindset of my family that attracts a temptation that feeds off of that decaying thought. Poverty is one of these things. When I think outside of the mind of Christ and I think decaying, depreciating thoughts, I attract Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, into my life. And he has access and the authority to tempt me because my thoughts attract him. My pattern of thinking attracts him. In Hebrews 3, just for time, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, he's quoting Psalm 95. But Hebrews 3, verse 7, it says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years and saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. And I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they won't enter my rest. I pray over my, my sons every night. God, let them know your ways that they may walk with you. Let them think the way you think that they may, that they may test and prove what your will is, God. I pray these things over them because I know that if I can get the right thinking into my generational line, then the temptations that have been faced from generations till now will have no access point. They'll have nothing attracting them to my sons. <clears throat> oh. Mandy was, was uh, sexually abused. I was sexually abused. My kids, we've, ke we've kept them away from this stuff. I don't know how, it's the grace of God, but I also know that our thinking about things has shifted. I don't even know. Again, man. We're raising the prudish type of home, honestly. We didn't talk about it. My parents never gave me the sex talk. They just never did. I just learned on my own. I learned from wherever else. Whoever would teach me taught me. 
I learned from people that shouldn't have ever had any access to me. So what happened? Something changed inside of Mandy and I. When we, when we were married, we discussed these things. We've been through a lot of trials and testings to be who we are and where we are today. And all those, we gained wisdom for the next generations after us. And that's what, that's what encourages me. I wouldn't change anything. That's all, I talked to my dad last week, and I was like, Pops, he was like, son, I, I was probably too hard on you. I was probably too hard on you, and I, I regret a lot of things. And I stopped him. I said, Pops, look me in my eyes. He wouldn't look at me. He was about to cry. I said, look me in my eyes. And he looked up. I said, I wouldn't change anything. I don't hold anything against you. I'm not upset. I wouldn't change anything. You were a great father. You're a great father now. And that, that was it. But something shifted inside of Mandy and I. My father was, was abused. I mean, I, I can go back. There's just been a history of abuse in Mandy's family and my family. It was a history of it. What attracted this? We're going to put a stop to it. And, and one of those things that we discovered for us was God is not prudish about sexual things. He created, he created it. He's, he's, he, he thinks it's a good thing. So we can't let the enemy have access in, and, and control the discussion on the topic. We have to. So I've talked to my sons about things. I talk to them about temptations. I talk to them about desires that boys are supposed to have that aren't bad you're supposed to feel this thing. You're supposed to feel this way. These are not bad. Now, what you do with it can be good or bad. And I've started talking to my sons in a different way. And I know all of you are doing the same things. I see your families. I, I know very, very well. Your, your sons and daughters are way beyond where, where you were. Why? Because you made a personal decision. I'm not going to allow decaying thoughts and generational cultural things to pass on to my kids. We're going to put an end to it. This is how we live. This is how we work. This is how we pay our bills. No poverty in our house. We're going to work hard. We're going to take care of things. And we've, you've built things inside of your culture, inside of your family, that will not allow Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, to be attracted. So you won't face the same temptations and tests. Your kids won't. They will not face the same things. I declare that if you're on the podcast, make a declaration. Maybe you haven't done this. Declare over your family what you want it to look like and make it look like that. It can be anything you want it to be. Mandy and I say this to each other all the time. Hey, Jared, our marriage can be anything we want it to be. Dream whatever you want your marriage to look like and make it like that. Our relationship with our kids can be anything we want it to be. What do we want it to look like? And we make it look like that. The Bridge Church can be anything we want it to be. Mandy says that to me all the time. What do we want it to be? Let's make it look like that. Your job can be anything you want it to be. These are thinking, this is patterns of thought that we are breaking down and we're putting on the mind of Christ and we're thinking differently about things. So my, my whole heart of the message today is to remove any perceived authority that we've given to the enemy to tempt us and to show that temptation either comes from being led by the Spirit, being led by my own desires, or generational things that have been passed on through the years. Satan cannot initiate temptation with us. We are in authority over ourselves. We are in authority by, because of God, because of free will, because of his ability, his, because of his trust in us. He trusts us to decide and choose whom we will serve. So don't say when you're tempted that God tempted you. And don't say when you're tempted that Satan just orchestrated this temptation. Find out which one of these three it is. Am I being led into the wilderness for a reason? Am I being led away by my own desires? Or there's, is there generational thinking that's uh, attracting these temptations? Because if there is, there's a solution to all three. The first one, go into the wilderness. Don't run from it. If you feel God leading you into a wilderness time of temptation or testing, don't fight it because it'll come back later. He's not going to change the subject. Just say yes, sir, and go into those wilderness times. If we're being led away by our own desires and our passions, what do we do? 
We apprehend those things. We force them to become what we want them to become. We talk with God and we say, Lord, what desires am I having right now? Am I feeding right now? Am I stirring up right now that don't please you? Show them to me and I will make the corrections. And if it's a generational thing, there's a solution to that too. God, change the way we think. Change the way we think as a family. Change what we allow to, to stay in our family. I, was, I listened to um, these, they're called Entree Leadership Podcasts from uh, Dave Ramsey. He puts this together. And it's like entrepreneurship and leadership combined. And he brings in people from Disney and from Google. And, and they talk about strategies to be entrepreneurs and leaders. And the, one of the first things he says is from a book by a, a man named Dr. Henry Cloud. And he says, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your church, whatever it is, it's either the way it is because you allow it, or you disallow it, period. My marriage is what it is because I allow it or I disallow it to be that. It's on me, it's on you, it's on our families, it's on, our, it's on all of us to determine what it looks like. Am I making sense? Temptation does not have authority over us. Hello? Temptation doesn't have authority over us. And I don't, if you're here, if you're listening through podcasts, if you feel like, man, I just keep falling into this temptation, it has authority over you. That is a lie. It does not have authority over you. It's just a family addiction. It's a family bondage. It's, a, it's an addiction with, with all the men or all the women in our family have the same problem. It is not authority over you. You have authority over it. If, if it's a sexual sin, your desire is not wrong. It's the outlet that you're using to fulfill that desire that's right or wrong. Take control of your desire. If it's any kind of addiction, fight that addiction. Don't give in to it. It could be food. It can be anything. Replace it with something pure. It's up to us. Amen? Father, we ask that you would just speak truth to our hearts. We want to overcome temptation. We want to pass the test. <laughs> you said when we do, we receive a crown of life. <laughs> I want to hit this one more time. Identity, inheritance, and value. We're tempted in those three things constantly. All right, are you really a son of God? Are you really a good husband? Are you really a good father? Inheritance. Oh, you deserve this. Value. Oh, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let this happen. That's a lie. If God really cared, he would not allow you to go through this. God is sovereign and he's all-powerful. And he has all authority. And he's equally as good as he is sovereign. You can't say God's good and not believe that he's sovereign. And you can't say God's sovereign and not believe that he's good. It is vital that the foundation of our belief system is that God is good and he is sovereign. Now we have to reconcile that because for whatever reason when temptations and trials and obstacles come. We tend to think well God you could do something about this. And you're right. He gave us the authority to do something about it. Amen? I, I, wanna, I just want to do old school altar. I want to say if you're here and you're struggling with, with temptation in any kind, any of the three, and you want to be given tools today, you want to be given authority today and, and find out how to overcome, I want you just to stand right where you're at. Just stand, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the scripture that says nothing has seized us. Nothing has tempted us. That's beyond what's common to man. And in every temptation, Jesus makes a way of escape. There's always a way of escape in every temptation. So, Father, with these that are standing, these on the podcast that say yes to that, we ask that you would upgrade our tools to overcome temptation. Upgrade our ability to look for the exit in every temptation, to look for the escape. Help us, God, to recognize when we're being trapped. Every temptation has warning signs. Every temptation has breadcrumbs that should reveal what we're going to. It it, it reveals itself. God, make us very aware of the warning signs of temptation. And make us equally aware of the escape and how to replace that and to harness that passion, whatever it is, for the good rather than for the bad. I ask God that you would help us to be empowered to overcome all the schemes that the devil apprehends. All the opportunities that he takes. Father, I pray your prayer. Lead us not into temptation. but Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God, I pray that our passions will lead to tree of life and that our passions and desires will not become enticed and give birth to sin. I'm going to pray that again. God, I pray that our passions and our desires will become a tree of life and that our passions and desires will not become enticed and lead to sin. I pray we become a pure and a holy people a people completely in control of ourselves. A people completely in control of our own passions and our own desires. Help us to never again say this passion is too strong for me when we're the ones that stirred up and created the passion and fed the passion. We're the boss. Help us to take authority, God, over our passions. God, if there is anyone here listening or here in the room that's been through a season or, in a, or heading into a season of testing that you've led them into by the Spirit, I ask that they would come out of it full of the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they will come out of it solidified in their identity, their inheritance, and their value. I pray that the purpose of, the, of that testing, of that season, will fulfill itself, God. I ask that it will come to fulfillment Those seasons always lead to greater authority and greater responsibility. So if you're going through that season or you're about to head into a season where you're led by the Spirit, you are about to step into a new realm of authority and responsibility. And He wants you to know that you're able to do it and you're ready to do it. And this test will prove to you that you're ready for it. Hear me. You're ready for this. That's why you're going through this testing. That's why Holy Spirit allowed you and led you into it. He knows what you're capable of, and He wants you to know what you're capable of. You're about to have an upgrade. You're about to have a promotion. And He needs you to know that it's already inside of you. The Word that's residing inside of you will help you win. If you're having a hard time, you're being led away by your passions and desires, apprehend them. Don't believe the lie that they're evil or they're bad. Turn them into good desires. And they will be a tree of life and they will serve you. And God, I just declare over our families that if there are cultural patterns of decaying thought that attracts temptation, I ask that you would help us to snuff those things out. I ask that you would help us to replace those thoughts with your thoughts. Replace that thinking with your thinking. That instead of attracting the Lord of the flies and instead of attracting temptation, we will attract heaven. (laughs) And we'll attract your presence, God, to kiss what we do, that everything we do prospers. See, that's the wisdom of God. 
when we t- turn the mi- we put on the mind of Christ and we think like Him, it attracts the wisdom of God. Hmm. I feel like I need to say this and we're done. <clears throat> if, you've, if you've been fighting temptation, you're not an evil person. You're not evil. You're not dirty. I don't know if someone listened to the podcast. If you have addictions with pornography, sexual sin, you're not dirty. You're just taking a passion, a desire that God gave you, and you're giving it the wrong outlet. Do things God's way. It's better. But you're not a dirty person. And it's not beyond your authority. It's not beyond God's God's control, God's authority. Amen. Well, Father, we just bless. I bless everyone here. I bless them this week that we will hear your voice clearly. That we will manage our passions. We've let some go that you want us to stir up again. And I ask that you would help us to know what those are. Help us to attend to the right things and, and not attend to the wrong things. Help us to manage our gardens well. Help us to allow the right things and disallow the wrong things. I pray you be with everyone this week. I pray you give them wisdom as they make decisions that affect their family, affect their businesses, affect their workplace, affect their relationships. Give us wisdom this week, God. I pray that most of all your presence would go with us. Jesus' name.